1987, there was a low-budget film that went on to completely flop at the box office. But somehow, the film took on new life and uh, has been seen by millions, and many of its catchphrases sort of entered into popular language. Things like, inconceivable, and as you wish, and my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Many of you know I'm talking about the movie The Princess Bride. This is a fantasy movie in which Princess Buttercup has been kidnapped by a man named Vizzini. Wesley, who is the hero in disguise, is chasing them down to try to win back Buttercup. And I want to show you a scene, and I'm going to play the scene, and then I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. This is a somewhat famous scene of Wesley in a battle of wits with Vizzini to win back Princess Buttercup. Let's watch this clip together. Okay, here's the question. Why is Wesley so calm when it's time to let Vicini choose which cup to drink out of? He has a secret, doesn't he? He's immune to Iocane powder. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what Vicini chooses. Wesley knows he's going to be just fine, so he can sit back and let Vizzini make whichever choice he wants to make. This morning, we want to talk about making decisions as Christians. And just like in the clip, there's actually a secret that as Christians we should know which would help set our hearts at ease for many of the decisions that we have to make in life. And so I'd like to invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, it's page 9 in the church Bibles. And we're thinking together about decisions. We all have to make lots and lots of decisions. Where to work, uh, what car to purchase, uh, what to do for a project at school, um, how to spend the holidays. So many decisions. And we want to think about how do you make decisions as a Christian, Genesis 13 uh, is here to help us think through this. So what I'd like you to do before I look at this passage is I'd like you to think through a decision that you're facing. It could be about the holidays. It could be a work-related decision. It could be about a project coming up at school that you've got to make a decision about. Anything you've got coming that you've got to make a decision about and I'd like you to think of that and maybe even keep that in your mind as we go through uh, this sermon. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would help you and guide you with regards to that decision as we look at this text. Now, Genesis 13 is about the story of Abraham. He's called Abram for short in our passage. But Pastor Tom took us through Genesis 12 last week, which is the call of Abraham and God's promise to bless him. Right at the end of chapter 12, Tom talked about it a little bit last week, Abraham, who's living in the land God showed him, which is Canaan or modern-day Israel, suddenly, because of the famine, loses faith abandons the land he was supposed to live in, moves to Egypt, lies about his wife, and gets himself in a whole heap of trouble. 
chapter 12 closes with Abraham getting kicked out of Egypt because of his faithlessness and his sin. And as we pick up the story in Genesis 13, I'd like you to listen for three decisions that get made in this story as we think through how we are supposed to make decisions as Christians today. Genesis 13, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Lot's his nephew. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. <clears throat> Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. Then he built an altar to the Lord. There are three decisions in this passage, which actually are three ways of making decisions. The first is Abraham's decision after he leaves Egypt of where to move back to. He doesn't move back to Ur, where he's from. He moves back to Canaan, the land that God had showed him. Now, I would label this kind of decision or this way of making decision as a God-told-me decision or for today what we're going to call an I-love-God decision. Why does Abraham go back to Canaan and not to his homeland? Because God called him to go there. God called him to Canaan. He lost faith in the famine. The decision didn't go as he had planned, and so he tried to fix it, moved to Egypt, messed everything up. When he comes to grips with his sin, he realizes God doesn't want me in Egypt. God showed me where I was supposed to be, and so he goes back to that land out of love for God. God says, if you love me, 
The greatest way you can show love for God is obey his commands. God told Abraham, go to a land I will show you. Abraham went. When he got scared and sinned, when it was time to make that right, he chooses to obey the Lord and go back to the land that God very directly chose for him. There are lots and lots of commands in the Bible When you and I choose to make decisions in obedience to those commands, we are making what I would call an I love God decision. We are showing love for God by obeying his commands. In addition to the commands in scripture, there are also lots and lots of examples where people inquire of the Lord or put out a fleece or ask for a sign where God is tangibly involved in making a decision, guiding, directing, and leading. These are what we would call an I love God sort of decision. This is what Abraham makes for his first decision. Where am I supposed to go back to? I got to go back to the land that God directly called me to because he promised to bless me in that land. Making decisions using I love God as the sort of way of doing that is a very valid, good, and encouraged way to make decisions. That's not, however, the kinds of decision-making we're going to focus on today because that's not really what Genesis 13 is focused on. Instead, there are two other decisions that are made in Genesis 13, two other ways of making decisions that we want to think about this morning. The first of those two is Lot's decision. Lot's given the choice, where do you want to live? And he picks a piece of land to live in. And we want to think about his decision. Now, if we're going to label Abraham's decision to move from Egypt back to Canaan as an I love God decision, the title I would give to Lot's choice of land is an I love me decision. Think about this with me. Who really should be choosing first their land in Canaan? Abraham. He's the uncle, and Lot is the nephew. Abraham occupies the place of age and honor. He really should get the first choice. More than that, whose land is this? I've heard two answers, both correct. God's and Abraham's. Who did God give the land to? To Abraham and his descendants. Lot is not actually one of Abraham's descendants. It's his nephew. Abraham has taken good care of him. He's gone around with him, but the land is not going to go to Lot. The land is going to Abraham. The whole land is his. Surely he should get to pick first. Now you might say, well, maybe he's just submitting to his uncle's authority. Uncle Abraham said, Lot, you pick. Okay, so he's picking. Perhaps. But look at the way he makes his choice. Verse 10. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So Lot looks around and he sees the really good land, that's over there. 
Now remember, he gets to choose first, but he could have very easily in his mind seen that's the good land and saved that for Abraham. Instead, he chooses for himself. Some people in my family like to play uh, this board game called Settlers of Catan. Now, if you're familiar with the game, if you're not, I'm just going to explain it to you. If you want to do well in this game, one of the keys is to get your first settlements in the right spot. If you choose the right spot or right spots, you're going to get the most resources. If you get the most resources, it makes it easier to win the game. When you first look at the board, it's kind of different every time. What you want to do is look around and say, where can I get the best resources? And then good game-playing strategy is pick that spot. Now, it may be good game-playing strategy, but it's not actually that loving. <laughs> you know you're playing Settlers of Catan with someone who loves you, which after they see the best spot, choose not to take that spot and instead encourage you to take that spot. That's not what Lot does. He sees the best spot and he takes it for himself. That's why I call it an I love me way of making decisions. Look, it's right here in the text. Verse 11. So Lot, you see the next phrase? Chose for himself. He chose with his interests in mind. Now, look at the land he chose. It's described for us as being like the Garden of Eden. That's good. But it's also described as being like Egypt. That should have been a red flag. Egypt is the place they're not supposed to be. If God had wanted them to look, live in a place that looked like Egypt, he would have moved them to Egypt. When they're in Egypt, they are outside of the will of God. They are disobeying God. But when they get back in the land, Lot looks for a place that looks like what he just left, where he wasn't supposed to be. This would be like getting out of sort of an abusive or bad relationship. And the very next person you choose to date looks and acts exactly like the person you just got out of the relationship with. That's what Lot's doing here. Worse than that, we're told the land is near Sodom. And even at this time, Sodom's sin is unbelievably great in the eyes of the Lord. But Lot doesn't care. He doesn't care that he's near Sodom. He doesn't care that the land looks like the place he wasn't supposed to be. He makes the choice on the basis of what his eyes tell him, what he thinks is going to cause him to be successful. He's looking at the settlers of Gatan board, and he says, but that's where all the wheat and the sheep, and that's where the stone is, and that's where the brick is and the trees. I want to choose that spot. That's going to help me win at life. Now we'll find in the next chapter when Lot gets engaged in a battle in a war that he shouldn't be involved in. And in a few more chapters when his whole family is in danger because they get sucked into Sodom and are about to be destroyed with everybody else in Sodom. This was a really, really poor decision. But we don't have to wait until Genesis 14 and on to find out it was a poor decision. What we find out in Genesis 13, it was a poor way of making a decision. Sometimes we get so fixated in Christianity on the decision that is made instead of the way that we are making the decision. Let me just say this. 
It is far, far more important the way you make a decision than the decision that you actually make. Lot is deciding using an I love me strategy. And we don't have to wait to find out this was the wrong way to do it. He is not approved by God in this passage for doing that because he's made a decision out of selfishness, out of self-interest, out of what he wants for himself. And that's a poor way to make a decision. There is a third way of making the decision. And the third decision that's made is Abraham's choice to let Lot go first in choosing. And if we're going to call Abraham's decision to move back to Canaan an I love God decision, and Lot's decision as to pick which land he wants for himself an I love me decision, we want to label Abraham's decision to allow Lot to choose first an I love you decision. I love God, I love me. Here Abraham is choosing to love Lot. Now I put these in nice neat categories. I love God, I love me, I love you. There is of course some overlap between these. The greatest commandment God gave to us is love your neighbor as yourself. And so by Abraham choosing to love Lot, he is loving God by obeying him. But what I want you to notice is that Abraham doesn't make the decision to let Lot go first through prayer or fasting or signs or putting out a fleece or inquiring of the Lord. He simply makes the decision because it's the kind thing to do for Lot. He is choosing to love his nephew. Yes, he's the uncle. Yes, it's his land. Yes, he has every right to make the first choice to fight for what is already his. Instead... He puts Lot's interest first. He says, Lot, you go ahead and you choose. Let me say this. Anytime you make a decision where you're putting someone else's interests above your own, that is a good and right way to make a decision. All of us do what Lot does. We look with our eyes. We think what's going to make us successful. We make choices on the basis of what we think is going to make us happy. We all do that. That's almost always the wrong way to make a decision. But when you and I choose what's in somebody else's interest, to love another person, to sacrifice our own rights for the sake of somebody else, that's almost always the right way to make a decision. If, for example, your friend wants to ask the girl you were going to ask to prom, to prom, and you choose to let him do that out of love for him, that's the right way to make a decision. If you choose to move closer to aging parents so that you can take care of them and help them, that's the right way to make a decision, putting their interests above your own. If you buy a less expensive car so that you can use some of the money you save to help somebody else get a vehicle, that's a right way to make a decision. If at work, when asked about a coworker whether they might be right for a promotion, if you choose to speak well of that coworker out of love for that coworker, that's a right way to make that decision. Now I can imagine what you're thinking. It's the same thing I'm thinking. Well, wait a second, if I let my friend ask that girl to prom, 
who am I going to ask? If I buy that less expensive car, what if I don't end up liking the car very much? I got to spend the next five or 10 years driving a car that I don't really love? If I move closer to aging parents and leave this good job, what if I can't find a job when I move there? If I speak well of this other person for their promotion, what if they actually get promoted and nobody ever promotes me for anything? Remember the clip I showed you at the beginning? Why is Wesley not stressed out that Vizzini gets to make the choice? Because he knows a secret. Why is Abraham not stressed out about what Lot might choose? Because Abraham knows a secret. And the secret is this. God has sworn an oath to bless Abraham no matter where he is in the land. This is the secret that Abraham knows. Lot, you can choose first. Listen, Abraham doesn't choose the the land for Lot. He just lets him choose first because he knows whatever is left, God's already promised to bless him. The whole land is Abraham's. He can say to Lot, you pick first because whatever is left over, God's promised to bless me. He's immune to whatever happens. Look at it, verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him. So now they're both living in their spots. Lot goes down by Sodom. Abraham picks his land, which is in Hebron. Look around, and what I'd like you to do is if you underline phrases or write down phrases or just take note of phrases, the next phrase from where you are. Look around from where you are. To the north and south, to the east and west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring. Go, verse 17, walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it all to you. Abraham's choice is just simply the place from which the blessings of God are gonna have to start. If Abraham, which he did, he chose Hebron, God comes to him in Hebron and says, from Hebron, I'm going to bless you. If Abraham had chosen Dan, God would have shown up to him in Dan and said, from here, I'm going to bless you. If Abraham had chosen Jerusalem, Jerusalem simply would have been the starting place of God's blessing. What Abraham knows, the secret he understands that leaves him at peace in this decision is, God has promised to bless him no matter where he ends up in the land. Of course Lot can choose first. Once Lot chooses, Abraham's going to end up somewhere. And that's just simply the starting point. And God says, wherever you are, that's the spot from which we start the blessing. Paul says something similar about Christians in the New Testament. In the city of Corinth, they were fighting over which of them got to be associated kind of with which famous Christian person. And some of them in the church were fighting to be known as a person who goes with Paul. And other people were fighting to be known as a person who goes with Peter. And other people were be fighting to be known as an Apollos kind of person. Listen to what Paul says to them and to us in 1 Corinthians 3. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. And then look at this next phrase. What does it say? All things are yours. 
All things are yours. Why are you fighting over this? It's all yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. Paul is saying something even bigger and even better than what Abraham got. God said to Abraham, anywhere you go in this land, I will bless you. God is saying to you and I in Jesus, the whole world is yours. Everything is yours. All things, life, death, the present, the future. You and I have an even greater secret. We don't have to fight for these things. We can let others choose. We can offer in love to others the opportunity to make a choice because we know wherever we end up, that's just the place God's going to start the blessings from. If you let your friend ask the girl you were going to ask to prom and God wants you to go to prom, he's going to find you a prom date. If you choose to move closer to aging parents out of love for them, wherever you end up living is simply the spot that God has to bring you the job that you're going to find fulfillment and encouragement in. If you buy a less expensive car so that you can help somebody else get a car, God can cause you to love that car more than any other car you would have had. If you speak well of a colleague or a coworker when asked about a promotion, if God wants you to have that promotion, he's going to give you that promotion. And if it's not that one, it may be some other one. All you're doing is picking the starting point from which God is going to bless you. And the secret is you and I are free to make decisions out of love for another person because the truth of the matter is God has sworn an oath in Jesus, I will bless you. Yes, if you leave the land and go into Egypt, if you go into sin, God is not obligated to bless that. That's the I love me decision. Abraham went to Egypt because he loved himself. The I love you decision, whatever, wherever you end up, if you've made that decision out of the basis of I'm trying to obey you, Lord, and love other people more than I love myself, God said, don't be afraid. Wherever you end up, whatever the job, whatever the car, Whatever the relationship status, wherever you end up, that's just the starting point. I'm going to bless you from where you are. You see, we think that if we choose the right land, the well-watered land, the stuff with all the fruit going, and we move there, that's where the blessings are. And God said, in reality, the blessings are in the obedience. And the blessings are in the fact that I have promised to bless you. You can live in the desert in Israel and you're going to have more water, more bread, more meat, more blessing. So I have an assignment for you for today, for this week. The assignment is take that decision you've been thinking about Whatever it is, again, it's about, uh, maybe it's a dating decision, maybe it has to do with work, maybe it has to do with school, maybe it has to do with what you're doing for the holidays, whatever it is, any decision you can think of that you gotta make. And I want you to do three things with it. 
all of which I'd love for you to do by bathing this in prayer. The first is, ask the Lord to please reveal to you if this is an I love God sort of decision. Is this something that God has already spoken about in his word? If you're asking about sleeping with somebody you're not married to, if you're asking about paying taxes, if you're asking about black and white things that the Lord has already spelled out, the I love God kind of decision is obey God, obey his commands, and show him love. It may also be an I love God decision because he may just want the joy of directly, tangibly showing you which college you're supposed to go to, what you're supposed to do for the holidays, whether you're supposed to move jobs, whatever it is. But ask him, Lord, is this an I love God sort of decision? And if it is, great, make it in that sort of vein. Waiting for signs from the Lord, listening for his voice, looking for guidance, searching his word, But number two, if it's not an I love God decision, the second thing I'd like you to do is in prayer, just simply ask the Lord, show me how in this decision I might love somebody else. Show me a way to put someone else's interests above my own. Show me how this might be an I love you decision. Who is my neighbor, Lord? Who can I show love to? Who can I be kind to? Could I let somebody else make the choice and put my interests behind as Abraham did? Could I make a choice that would be in their best interest instead of what's in my own? And then number three, after you do that, ask the Lord in prayer to give you the faith to believe Genesis 12 and 1 Corinthians 3 that God has sworn an oath to bless you no matter where you end up. It's hard to believe that. Man, everything in us tells us, if I don't get that thing, if I don't work at that company, if I don't have that relationship, if I don't get that kind of income, if I don't get to do this for the holidays, if I don't get to choose this kind of car, everything in us tells us that if we don't make the right choice, our lives are going to be catastrophic failures. Please ask God to help you believe all things are yours and that you are free to make a decision in love because your heavenly father loves you so much that he will find you wherever you are. You and I don't need to go chasing blessings. All we're doing is running away from the God who wants to bless us. That's hard to believe. So just ask that he would give you faith, faith to see that. And may God himself give us grace in the decisions we try to make, that we might be living sacrifices, honoring him in all that we do. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, Seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.